In summertime, deep spring with Carl and Ella Hewitz. Okay. And I would say this started because it was a small group already there, but they were the one who made it official. For those that may not be aware, Cedar, spring, Cedar Springs was a small community that is now under Silverwood, Silverwood Lake. In 1915, after completing four or five years of his medical education at the College of Medical Evangelism at Loma Linda, which now is called Loma Linda University Medical Center, Carl's had to drop out because he had contracted tuberculosis. This is how it used to look under the dam that we have right now. It's a beautiful valley that became um, Underwater. If you, if you can see that small little white building over there, that is the church. That is our crestline. Back then, it used to call differently, but um, that's where the church began. Maybe um, I put a clear, like a little bit of map. It's number seven. That's where the church is located. And I put a picture there that you can see it. In 1915, they established this church as a small Seventh-day Adventist company. And this is the picture of Ella and Carl At this time, there were no roads into that area, so Carl and Ella would ride his red Indian motorcycle, mo motorcycle up Canyon Pass. Park it at Gleghorn Trail and hike nine to 10 miles to the to their 160 acres that they homestead. After years of hard work, they established a farm where they raised roots and vegetables. There was a small health clinic for treatment of tuberculosis as well, but it didn't last that long due to financials. Over time, Carl's and Ella increased their property to around 1,000 acres, and the farm increased in size to around 100 acres, and they used the creek and in Sand Pit Canyon to irrigate their house. In the late 1920, Carl began selling strawberries to Walter Knox for not very farm. Bertrand Hewitt, the son of Carl and Ella, operated a sawmill in Cedar Springs for a number of years. Over time, the community grew primarily with people of the Seventh-day Adventists, faith establishing homes, and a three-room church, which also was used as a school. Most of the people in Cedar Springs were Seventh-day Adventists, but there were a few families that they were not, but they blended in a very, very nice way. The younger children attended school at the Seventh-day Adventist Church, and the older children attended at the Florida School located in the summit. A number of families lived in Cedar Springs in addition to the Hellens, with Mr. Black, Ella's fathers, the Thompsons, the Brittons, Marvers, Elliot, Jones, Spillings, and the Bells Glendale. Known as Bill, when he was a youngster, eventually he started at Taco Hill around 1960. In 1913, it was a small group meeting in Cedar Springs. However, it became official in 1915 as a South School company in Cedar Springs. In 1920, it was officially recognized as a church by the Southeastern California Conference, for which I found out that it was started also in 1915. In 1949, a small group started Crestline 
and merge with the super spring in And those um, small uh, newspapers um, articles, those are taken from Anvin from our Seventh day Adventist reporter back when he was brought. Late in 1915, a group of lay members were instrumental in starting a church, desiring to worship the Lord as the group of the beginning of the Seventh day Adventist church. Those taking a leading role in the founding of the church were Mr. Hilton. Right. You would see that this, this story goes back and forth because it's based on the article that was there. And this is a picture of the vehicles right there in the text, parked in front of the church. This is the little church that was built by the church members. The congregation originally met in the building, which they built themselves. From trees they built and so in their own Randy in the heart. But that little church that you see in the picture was man-made, cut by trees, and milled with the same church members when they were built. And later, when the dam came in, they will In 1967, the church had to move it because the old Crestline City became submerged underwater. Now this area is called Silverwood Lake or is a dam. And I would like to make a few a few remarks. In the article that was written by our magazine, it said in 1913, we started a small group. And that story is on that. And there was a big event on September 16, 1967. That's the last time they met in that little church. And this article shows um, this, this hymn that they sang, what they did. And on September 23rd, they met here in Preston. And you will see how this building used to look when they bought it. It would be a barn. In 1967, the congregation moved to the Valley of Enchantment in Crestland area and helped to renovate and then rented a building owned by the Nazarenes. The building had been built in 1880 as a normal barn and was later used as a dance hall and restaurant. In 1969, the Crestland congregation purchased the building the Nazarenes. And this church is built in three lots. In August 18 of 1969, Astro closed. And this building became officially Seventh-day Adventist Church. And that picture's in there. It, it shows all the members that were present at the church. And that's how it looks after the previous picture. In 1989, it was renovated again. In 1976 and through 1980, a Christian day school was operated here in this facility. And in 2009, the building was modernized. And this is how you look the church. It was modernized in 2009. 
And now we're going to make a list of all the pastors and elders that serve in this leader of the small church. 1933, it was Elder Ray Shepherd. And he goes down the line. And one of the things that's very curious is all these people serve between one to two years, sometimes three. And they usually go, I don't know why they didn't stay that long. But uh, they came and go, but they always had um, <laughs> a good leader in the church. Even Joe Bolachensko also served one year in the different church. In seven to seventy, we didn't have anything. So the elders were the one who ran this the church. From 1970, he went down. We have one that broke the uh, broke the record. It was Robert Peach for four years. Then we have Marvin Oates for two. Then Jan Dower. Then we have Pastor Daniel Scorts. And I put it in bold. Because this pastor, when he retired, you will find out what he did after he retired. And uh, then we have William Kinn. He served for five years. And after that, we didn't have anybody except the elders of the church. And after that, we have other, church, other pastors coming. But in 1996, when Daniel Scores, Pastor Daniel Scores retired, which is here, he came and he stayed here for 22 years. Still here. <laughs> Thank you for coming. It's nice seeing you. And now we have, since 1918, we have a pastor, Rudoy, that I there. This is my book. It's 2018. I hope he breaks that record. So this is, this is the story of this little small church. Change name twice. And these are the, the, the resources that the history was taken. And one of them was um, Cluster Sports. And different magazines, newspapers, writings, and, and everything else. So with this, if you look at the progression of this small church, it became from a very, very tiny, quiet little church made by the church members to what we have. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Ah, yes. No. Thank you. That was very interesting. Um, not everybody could come today. <laughs> No, some people sent messages to us at, uh, in your bulletin. Uh, you can see it, uh, Elder Bob Peach. Uh, he was a minister here. He was serving this, uh, this church from 1975 to 1979. And that's what he is uh, writing to all of us. I was so happy to receive your message and find that Crestline Adventist Church was celebrating its 107th anniversary. How amazing is that? I cherish the years I spent living and pastoring in the beautiful setting of Crestline. No. Such wonderful people and lovely memories. We enjoyed in the valley of enchantment, please 
accept congratulations on this church anniversary and convey my greetings to all the church members and friends. I also would like to ask uh, Daniel Skoritz, Elder Skoritz, to come and share a few of those moments, wonderful memories that you have. And uh, it would be extremely difficult to beat your record here, 22 years. So uh, I'm sure you, if you would mention all of those wonderful moments, we would be here for, forever. <laughs> but please come and share. What was that? This was a wonderful 107th anniversary. So the reports that we need to share is now because I was here for 24 years, 24 years as a pastor. And uh, all I know is that the head elder of this church, who was in Ontario, and he came all the time to say, the greetings from the uh, from Ontario, and he, I think he was Gavin here, right? Yeah, we had some stickers. Good, good. And uh, all I know is that I served here for 24 years, and I was blessed serving all the people. And uh, all I know is that God has blessed me as a pastor of all the people who are here. How many people do we, do we have here that I was a pastor of in the, in the Christline Church? Precious people. And you're precious because you have served this church very well. And uh, I know that God will bless you as you serve this church in the future. And uh, I will make my remarks very short because I was blessed to be a pastor at this church. And I know that God will bless this church as this as the uh, gospel will preach to the whole world and they will they will have some people here that will in the community, and the three angels' messages will be pronounced in a very wonderful way. So, thank you so much.
And all I know is that I you follow me, so you will be blessed with the church full of members. And I hope to pray that you will have all the members here spread the two angels' messages for the community so that they will have saved and be saved. In thy name we pray. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Thank you for sharing and thank you for your service. Thank you. There is a message that came uh, after we made the program, but we would like you to uh, receive it as well. It's a message from Randy Roberts, an elder of the planet. Just space. Yes. Sorry about that. The microphone is the job I have right into you to change that and spread that anyway. Which one? The red microphone. Oh, you want to just change it? <laughs> Now it's time to seek the Lord in prayer that he will be with us during our special worship today. As far as possible, please kneel for prayer. Our wonderful Father in heaven, today we are here to worship you in spirit. So we invite you to be with us today. You are our Lord, our Jehovah, our King of Kings, our Savior, our Creator, our Comforter. Please be with us as we worship you to give you glory, honor, and praise. Lord, today we are most thankful for this Sabbath day that is a celebration of 107 years. 107 years as a Crestline, the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Lord, I pray that uh, you will be with us as we celebrate the, uh, the wonderful times that we've worshipped you, Lord, 107 years. Lord, let us not forget those who have need of prayer, intercessory prayer. There are those that are here that are not well. There are some here that are in need, in need of a job, or they need some special things in their lives. All of the silent requests. People have requests even though they don't speak of them. So, Lord, I, I pray for these silent requests today. Lord, now I want to ask that you will be with our guest speaker today. Uh, the Southern California um, Conference, Southeastern California Conference President, Pastor Jonathan Park. Lord, be with him as he shares with us the Word of God. All these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.
Our scripture reading for the Sabbath morning is from Zechariah 4, verse 6. It says, Then he answered and spake to me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but my but by but by my spirit, says the Lord. Now, I'd like to invite all the congregation to read this together. Zechariah 4, verse 6, 1, 2, 3. So he answered and said in the name, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but spirit, says the Lord. Good morning. Good morning. A special happy Sabbath. What a special Sabbath, isn't it? So glad to be here. In fact, uh, when I heard the history of this church, I felt that it fits right into today's message. Uh, you read, so I won't read it again, but you read Zachariah. We're all in need of power from above. Not power anywhere else, but from above. So I'd like to share with a story. There was this little boy about 12 years old. One day he was at a park on a bench reading something. And he said, wow, this is amazing. Really? Whoa. And this elderly, man, elderly gentleman was passing by and was wondering, what is he reading? That's so interesting. So he went close to him and says, Hey boy, what do you read? And he says, I'm reading this book, Bible. I'm reading Exodus. And it's amazing that God has led hundreds and thousands of Israelites out of Egypt. And when they got to Red Sea, God opened that Red Sea and they went through it. Isn't it amazing? And this gentleman wanted to enlighten this naive boy. And so he says, hey boy, look, modern scholarship has shown that Red Sea in that area wasn't always deep. In fact, it was only 10 inches deep. So they've simply walked through it. And Bible just wrote it, that he went through, they went through the Red Sea. So this boy was devastated. So this gentleman, thinking that I have enlightened this boy, and start walking away. But within a few steps, this boy goes, whoa, incredible. Really? The man goes, this time. So he walked back over and says, what is it now? And here's what this boy said. God is greater than I thought. Not only did he lead the whole nation of Israel through the Red Sea, but he also topped it off by drowning the whole Egyptian army in 10 inches of water. <laughs> There's nothing fake. What if we have such 
boy, girl, or all of us with that kind of problem is it's not problem isn't that there is no power problem isn't that there isn't somebody that we can trust problem is we are the one who's not tapping into that power so i'm going to share i forgot to turn on my mic sorry about that uh, i'm going to share <coughs> this building this was about two months ago when I went to Wisconsin for a meeting. And it was a beautiful small town. And after a meeting, we had a little time. So uh, my wife my wife and I, we were walking through and we saw, we saw this two beautiful church. We saw this white colored church, but let's pass by. So with that, it was a very countryside, cute church. And then I looked over and said, wait a minute, is that a church? I just say it's beautiful. I go, huh. So I went closer just to make sure you could see my finger pointing at it. And it was basically a bar. But if you look closer where I'm pointing, it's a church. It was a church. So I thought, wait a minute. A church? Why is it a bar? So I, I did a little research and look at all these churches. United Kingdom, this used to be a cathedral. Now, a bar. Let's not look into, you know, Europe. Here's Pennsylvania. Pittsburgh. Here's Louisiana. Next photo broke my heart. This is Denver. It's a nightclub, and it's called the Church of Seven, Seven Candle Nightclub. And my heart broke. A space that we are to worship God became a space that God is the least of the gods. Spain. On outside is a beautiful church. Inside, you can see on my left, my uh, your left, no, my left, <laughs> skate park. Inside is a skate park. He said, wow, look at this church. It's a bookstore. Again, another beautiful church in Belgium. It's a restaurant. And the next photo kind of made me think. Somebody had to buy a church and made it a private home. We always want to stay in God, my father's house. He took a literary. <laughs> Regardless, my heart broke, your heart probably broke this. And it was interesting to hear who gave uh, history, there you go, that this barn was once a place to dance without God. Place of dance, now it has turned to a place where we worship, reverse of that. You wonder what church is like that's either filled with Holy Spirit or don't have Holy Spirit? Right here. It's not a building. It is a spirit-led, spirit-filled location, a church. We have a place like this. But even if a church is 
10 times, 100 times bigger than this church. If there's no Holy Spirit, that's what's going to happen. So A.W. Tozer said this, if the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do will go on and no one will know the difference. If the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament, early church, 95% of what they did was stop and everybody would know the difference. And I believe this is a question that we need to ask ourselves. If Holy Spirit no longer is with me, if Holy Spirit is no longer at, in this church, would other people know the difference? A church, excuse me, whoa, I guess I didn't uh, use that. <laughs> um, church is a place that should be about program. If a church could have lots of great, great program, problem is program without Holy Spirit simply is either a good act or entertainment. It does not change people. John chapter 21, the background of John, uh, John chapter 21 is that Jesus resurrected, met with disciples, and you know that fish story, and then finally Jesus preparing a breakfast, and, and he, he leaves, he walks, and Peter follows him. You remember the scene where Peter asks, Peter, do you love me? Yes, I do. Feed my sheep. You see, you know that's that content, right? Martin Luther picked this up just on John 21, and he said, it got, the gospel is both a demand and an offer. Let me repeat that. Gospel is both demand and offer. What a demand. And he picks up John chapter 21 and says, he says, love me. Of course, it was the question, do you love me? But basically saying, love me. Second one is, feed my sheep. Third command is it's a little longer, but in short, Jesus basically told Peter, you may not want to go where you want to go. But if you follow me, that's what's going to happen. So, love me. Feed my sheep. Go. Or you may go where you might want to go, but go. And fourth is follow me. Again, I'm going to repeat. Love me. Feed my sheep. Take care of others. Go and follow me. Do you follow me? Okay. Where? What is the problem? Problem lies not on these demands from Jesus, commands from Jesus. What happens to us Christians is that when we try to follow or uh, live out this demand without offer that Jesus gave us, gives us, our lives will be filled with frustration. So what is offer? When Jesus said, wait for the Holy Spirit. If we try to do this demand, demands that God has given to Peter, that God, uh, God has given to us, with that Holy Spirit, sooner or later, we'll be frustrated 
and we will experience failure after failure, and then we look at ourselves and go, I'm just not good enough. Remember, the Bible says, fix your eyes on Jesus, not on yourself. The offer is receive the Holy Spirit. And that's how Jesus lived. After he got baptized, the scripture tells us that he was driven by what? Driven by Holy Spirit. Why don't you ask yourself, what am I driven with? Maybe you are driven to love others. Just Maybe you're driven to earn money. Maybe you're driven to make names for yourself. Maybe you're driven to establish some kind of legacy. We're all driven by something. Some good, some not so good. But scripture tells us what Jesus was driven by. In fact, it's who drew him. That's Holy Spirit. That's why I selected messages. Uh, volume 1, 156, it says, Christ, the great teacher, had an infinite subjects from which to choose, but the one upon which he dwelt most largely was endowment of Holy Spirit. What great things he predicted for the church because of this endowment, yet what subject is less dwelt upon? What promise is less Remember after, uh, before Jesus ascended to heaven, he met with disciples. And when you read Acts chapter 1, he says, wait. Do not, after I leave, do not just barge out and start preaching and doing ministry. Doing good things. He says, wait. Don't leave Jerusalem until you receive grace. This church, or if you're visitors from different churches, you may look at your church condition and go, oh, I don't know, I don't, I don't want to do it at our church. Our church is limited. Our church, we we give very, we give different reasons why we're not growing. In fact, after COVID, we don't know what to do next. Well, Bible clearly tells us. If you don't know what you're doing, pray. Pray for Holy Spirit. We could plan all we want as, as humans. <laughs> but remember, without Holy Spirit, it's nothing. So let's follow Jesus' command. Before we do anything, pray for Holy Spirit. And it's Holy Spirit that will inspire you, that will give you vision, mission, and heart, and passion to do what God wants this church, Crestline Seventh-day Adventist Church, to do in this community. In order for us to be like Jesus and our other disciples throughout the book of Acts, whatever they did something, it was spirit-led, spirit-filled, spirit-driven. If we want to be like that, what do, we, what do we need to do? John chapter 15, verse 5. It says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do what? Yeah. Nothing. Again, same emphasis. We need to be with Jesus. So here's my, here's a good example. 
I was 10 when I, last time I shared it with you that I was made in Korea and got imported to US when I was 10. <clears throat> so I came to United States along with my family nine, uh, when I was 10. And I don't know English, I don't even know ABC. Um, and you know, you go to school, I don't understand a thing. My grade was so bad that they didn't even give me F. Uh, math, I got A. <laughs> uh, PE, I got A. Bible, for whatever reason, I got an A. Because I just need to understand 10%, and I pretty much knew what teacher was talking about. <laughs> I wanted to be pastor when I was 10, so. But I got to, I lived in United States for about a year. And then I started, you know, making non-Korean friends. And I ended up at somebody's house. So this, this is when I was 11 years old. After we ate, I saw my friend's mom opening up this device. I mean, he, she would take our dishes, just rinse it, and put in this device, press something, and all this noise started coming out. And I went, what is that? My friend said, that's the dishwasher. I go, what? I think I have one of those in my house too. And he's like, why are you so amazed? I'm like, hold on. So I went home. I went to my house, went to the kitchen. We had the exact same thing. Dishwasher. Problem is, I don't know it was a dishwasher. Koreans, Chinese, these Asians, we don't use dishwashers. We use our hands to wipe. And then we put it there to dry. So I always thought it was drying rack or something. So I went to my mom and says, Mom, Mom, this is a machine that washes dishes. And she goes, I know. How come we didn't use it? And she goes, we all should wash our dishes by hand. But here's the thing. Before that, of course, my mom will say, Jonathan, wash it's your turn to wash dishes. And I always I was a good boy. I said, sure. I just never did it right there. I said, I'll do it later. And I would go play, come back 30 minutes. And then my mom goes, you need to wash your dishes. Yes. And I would be distracted. And then I know when it's time to actually wash dishes because her voice gets deeper and deeper. So. Uh, I don't want to say, when to behave. <laughs> so I went in, and that's when I tried to scrub dishes. And you know how it is. When it, all these things are dry, it is very, very hard. So I remember doing this, and of course, like, why, why am I doing this? I was complaining, and my boss came to me and said, hey, if you washed dishes right away, it would have been like that. There's still a way to get this out. So she got this bucket, poured water, and said, just put all those dishes inside and come back 15 minutes later. Of course, I went, oh, sure. <laughs> I went out and play and then came back. And after I came back, all I had to do was take those dishes out of water and just slide it, scrub, and you will easily fall off. 
you understand that concept, right? Many times, we want to get rid of our sin, our mistakes, our issues by ourselves. And so we squall. Doesn't want this, doesn't want that. And it's painful. And it's hard. Abide in me, dwell in the Holy Spirit. We are to immerse ourselves in Holy In this sinful world, we make mistakes, we commit sin. But in Holy Spirit, when we dwell, when we abide in Holy, uh, Holy Spirit in Jesus, the same constant washing dishes. Things kind of fall off. Whole lot easier. Because we were immersed in Holy Spirit. It's not about trying your best to not sin so that you can be perfect, but it's abide in the Holy Spirit that you do not want to do things that separate you from Jesus. So how do we access this Holy Spirit? As you know, it's very simple. Ask. Mrs. White, on Christ's Object Lesson, page 145, said this. God does not say, ask once and you shall receive. He bids us to ask. Unweirdly persist in prayer. The persistent asking brings the petitioner into a more earnest attitude and gives him or her an increased desire to receive the things for which he asks. The more earnestly and steadfastly we ask, the closer will, will be our spiritual union with Christ. Keep asking. Ask and keep asking. Here's an easy example of this. There is there's a man who grew up, was born, grew up in city, and one day he decided, I would like to live a country life. So he moved out to this countryside, and he has house, was happy, and he realized that his next door neighbor had all these cows, these milk cows. He's like, hey, I got one of those. I want organic milk. Wouldn't it be great? Each morning, I fresh milk. So he bought a good-looking uh, milk cow. About several months later, he, com he comes back to the uh, original owner, his neighbor, and says, hey, you sold me a bad cow. And he says, why? He says, no more milk. It's dried cow, basically. He says, what happened? What did you do? He says, hey, I didn't do anything wrong. I love animals. In fact, I really took care of that cow. I even named that cow. And I wouldn't abuse that cow. If I just needed a cup of the milk, I only squeezed a cup of milk. If I just needed a gallon of milk, I would only squeeze out get milk, gallon of milk. If I don't need one, if I don't have, want it, I would milk the cow. She knows. That farmer says, no, 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 no. No wonder the milk is dry. It's because early in the morning, you are to milk that cow to eat gives no more. Every day, whether you need a cup, gallon, or none, you are to milk that cow. Then it continues to go. Do you get my point? I don't know about you, but there are times where I will milk God just enough for that day, that task, or whatever. And I'm very guilty. 
And then we wonder, why am I not experiencing power of Jesus? Because we dry them up. We are to daily seek the Holy Spirit. And by the way, do not think that only special people are filled with the Holy Spirit. You look in the Bible, you see that God used all kinds of people, including a donkey. Remember that story? Barely. Humor me here. If God could use donkey, God could use you. God definitely could use you. So it's not a matter of do I feel good? Am I righteous? Am I sinless enough? Am I holy enough? It's not about me. It is about God. It is making myself, making yourself available. Ask and give opportunity to use you. That's you. That's how you experience God. Yeah? Boy, time passed by. So I'm going to wrap up with this story. There was this young man who recently got converted to Christianity and he attended a, a prayer meeting. And there, the pastor talked about little young Sam, how you hear God's voice and that we are to obey. And this young man, wanted, I wonder what it's like to hear God's voice. So after that best, uh, prayer meeting, they went to Denny's and a couple of young, young adults, they were talking and one saying, you know, I heard God's voice this way and I did this. I, I was impressed by God to do this and I did it and shared a testimony while they were having late dinner. So when he got to his car, before he started off, he prayed, God, I want to experience you. I want to hear your voice. I want to be filled by your spirit. What does it take? God, if you speak to me, I will obey. And after that prayer, he was driving. He was driving toward his house. And he got this sudden impression, conviction. He moved to buy, for whatever reason, he got a gallon of milk. I'm giving two stories with milk. A gallon of milk. And he goes, I don't do five gallons of milk. I don't have milk in my refrigerator. So he ignored it. He was driving. But he still had this impression to go to market and buy a gallon of milk. So he was going to ignore it again. And then he remembered, hey, little Samuel didn't know that he was God's voice. This big God's voice. And so he said, why is it no big deal? I could always take it home. And eat it later, drink it later. So he went to market, got a gallon of milk, and he's driving them. And then just when he was about to pass 7th Street, he had this urge to take a left on 7th Street. Of course, he ignored, ignored that. He just drove by. And as he was going, he just felt like he needed to take left turn. And he goes, God, is that you? So on the right, uh, next street, he took a U-turn. He got a U-turn and the seventh street to go right turn is going. And in this part of town that he's never been to. It's semi-commercial. So there's there are homes and there are few uh stores, and half of the stores are closed. It's like eleven o'clock. And 
He goes, okay, God, this is ridiculous. I don't think I'm talking to myself. I'm going crazy or God is you. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm driving. I don't know where I'm going. And he felt the urge to stop. So he pulled over. And he goes, God, this is crazy. What am I doing? And he was impressed to get deliver that gallon of milk across the street to a house, a dark house with no lights. And he goes, God, we get shot here <laughs> when you do something like this. This is not a part of town that you should just ring somebody's somebody someone's doorbell, uh, uh, doorbell, eleven o'clock at night. But he said, "Okay, God, I promise that I will obey you, so I will do it." <clears throat> so with a gallon of milk, he walked across the street and went into the house and knocked on the door. And when he knocked on the door, he heard this. Who is it? What do you want? And he was thinking, this man sounds big. What do I do? But before he could move away, door came out and there was this large man with this, you know, tank top. It was, what do you want? And this young man panicked. So he just stuck his hand out with a gallon of milk and said, here, this is yours. And this man, all of a sudden, he grabbed the milk and he ran down his house. And this young man was left outside, don't know what to make of it. And shortly came back, this man came back with his petite lady and a very, very young uh, child. Uh, and he says, thank you, thank you for the milk. We live paycheck to paycheck. And there was some emergency that happened. And there was no money. We have nothing to eat. And so we pray that God will send us some help, some kind of food. And this young lady, uh, this uh, wife said, and I pray that God will send angel to send us a gallon of milk for my boy. And then she goes, are you an angel? And this young man took his wallet out and gave all the cash that he had. Prayed with them and on his way to the car, in his car, he, he just broke down and because God, how many times did you speak to me in the past and I just didn't hear you? I pray that whenever I hear, I will continue to that is living with the Holy Spirit. Amen. So friends, families, when you're driving and you have this impression, I should call so-and-so. I should visit so-and-so. I should do this. So do not just brush it off. Ask God, is that you? And when we act upon those impressions, I promise you're not going to be Pentecostal members here. I do promise you that perhaps it is Holy Spirit speaking to you. And when you act and you see, and believe me, I have testimonies after testimonies. Working at a conference, I'm driving 3,500 to 4,000 miles a month. I'm driving a lot. San Diego, different places. 
Because I believe ministry is about presence. It's not something somebody should understand at the conference office and expect everyone to come to you, or it's all on the paper. And when I am on the road and I get this impression, I should call somebody and so on. Guess what I did during my time work, uh, driving? I talk a lot. People think I'm crazy, <laughs> but I talk a lot. And so often they go, Pastor, how did you know? How did you know that you needed to call me? I was going through this. I was, you know, I needed a prayer. I was telling God, God, I'm done with church. And then you called me. How am I supposed to know? I don't. But it's Holy Spirit that simply tapped into me. And because I said yes and I act upon it, whoa. I was used by this. I pray that you experience that. This church, 107 years, and until Jesus comes, Pastor Score said our mission, one of our mission is to share three angels' message. And three angels' message is packed with love of God, sharing this truth that we have, that God has blessed us, is as a seventh day Adventist church. And when you share the good news, the warnings, the urgency, who knows how many people's lives you will change. And until that day comes, Crestline Church is called by God to be mission driven, Jesus driven, spirit driven church. And like you said, Come back here to 408, 109, 110. And when people come, may they know that this church, the lives, people of this church are people that's driven by Holy Spirit.